Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ruminations of Red Room. I'm your host, Kyle, with a K. And today, I have joining me the one, the only, Ian with Dewey's. Double E, baby E squared. Never forget it. I still feel weird looking at your face now that we're doing a video cast. Um, whether or not we're doing the cast, I just always kind of feel weird looking at your face. But, um, cool. Ian, how are you doing? How has your two weeks been since we've last talked? Um, doing pretty good. I watched quite a bit, quite a bit of films. Um, some bangers, some bangers. I finished my uh, Tsukamoto uh, Aero Video uh, Collection box set. And that was um, more enjoyable to get through than I thought it would be. Um, I also watched Demons for the first time, produced by okay. Dario Argento. Um, <laughs> uh, Perfect Blue, watched that for the first time. Uh, it was it was alright. Uh, and we watched that one James Wan movie, Malignant. Yeah, we watch Malignant, guys. Um, we'll get into that on a separate episode because we're going to cover it. But um, would you do thumbs up or thumbs down, Ian, for Malignant? I mean, if we're going to do an episode, I might as well save it, right? But thumbs Fair down enough. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, what are you drinking tonight, Ian? It's a big old uh, mug of whiskey. Oh, yeah? Yep. Uh, so, so what kind of whiskey are you drinking? Uh, it's, uh, it's, lo- it's a local one. Um, it's called Pep- Pepsi. Uh, it's like a local grown whiskey company. I've heard of it. I've heard yeah. of it. heard it has caffeine in it. And also <laughs> joining, we have the one and also the only, the new blood. Brendan, how you doing? I am doing well. Uh, I've spent pretty much the past 20 hours. Uh, I got a key for the uh, the console release for a game called uh, Chernobylite. Um, and yeah, I've pretty much just been playing that recently. Um, I'm not allowed to say my thoughts on it yet until the embargo is up. But this isn't saying anything, but I'm going to do this. So if that's doing anything for you, um, now that we're on video, uh, that's my entire thoughts on the game. Audio listeners, he's giving two thumbs down right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, okay, those are two thumbs up. Uh, but you know, I I feel like I haven't I haven't watched too much of anything recently. Uh, I'm on my fourth rewatch of a public access show from Manhattan called The Chris Gethard Show. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. I've not. Uh but uh yeah, so I've been rewatching that pretty much nonstop and uh listening to a bunch of ska music. So that's how my Yeah, that's how my two weeks <laughs> and for anyone who couldn't see, Ian just grimaced. Um <laughs> it was uh, a, a curious grimace. Yeah, uh so that's that's what I've been up to pretty much. Top three favorite ska bands. Uh, Off the top of your head. The first ones that come to mind. Uh, so even though they don't consider themselves ska, Streetlight Manifesto. 
two has to be uh, real big fish, like just hands down. One of the, like that the uh, Tim Burton movie, right? Yeah, yeah, the Tim Burton movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my uh, third one is a uh, bomb the music industry, just because I think Jeff Rosenstock is an amazing artist. Um, and he doesn't consider himself ska, and his newer stuff isn't ska. So I'm gonna put them as number three. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good, man. And you also have something in your hand. What are you drinking? Uh, well, right now, uh, before we talk about the movie, I'm having, uh, I'm getting into those central Pennsylvania vibes, uh, having a nice yingling lager before we talk about the movie. And then once we switch to talking about the movie, uh, <laughs> I will be drinking this pounder of Bud Light Lime. Now, not to I, get not, not to give too much of a spoiler, but like House on Haunted Hill, Bud Light Lime is uh, more substance over style. So okay, don't know how I feel about that statement. And also, I hate Bud Light Lime. So here's what we're gonna do. Um, we'll get into the cast shortly. First, I just want to say that I'm drinking the Boulevard Brewery Bourbon Barrel Quad. It's pretty tasty. Um. I think it's like third. It's twelve point two percent, so it's pretty gnarly, as the kids say. Um, but I did watch *Malignant*, and I was a little conflicted on it. Um, but I will say that after sleeping on it for multiple nights and thinking about it during the day occasionally, that I'll have to give it um, a one thumb up right now oh and it might change it it, it 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 might change guys so that's that's where we're at with malignant but i also started playing a uh, playstation exclusive uh, game right now called uh it's called death loop uh it's made by arcane studios they made dishonored and like prey and things like that um it's a lot of fun it's a first person shooter it's got like a roguelike quality to it. It's got a time loop to where like the game resets if you die and you lose like certain equipment, kind of like Dark Soulsy kind of stuff. But um, so far, I'm enjoying that. Other than that, though, haven't been doing a whole lot. I've been working a lot, so um, it was actually nice to kind of get into some House on a Haunted Hill because uh, it's a kind of nostalgic movie for me. So I guess we'll just get right into it. House on Haunted Hill, 1999. It was actually released on October 29th, 1999, domestically, and was distributed by Warner Brothers. Uh, the director, William Malone, was known for directing three episodes of Freddy's Nightmares. Do you guys know that there's a Freddy Krueger TV show? Yeah, it's pretty cool. No. I haven't seen it. I was actually surprised when I looked it up. So, 1989 to 1990 for that. He also uh, directed two episodes of Tales from the Crypt, 94 to 96. And he directed the movie Fear.com in 2002. Movies I, wild. Uh, I tried watching uh, about eight seconds of that movie. And then I turned it off. But I'd like to come back and watch more. I saw that movie at a sleepover way back in the day at Lake Havasu. I have this weird specific memory of fear.com. I went to like this weird family outing thing at Lake Havasu and they had like this like 
house on the lake or whatever. And th- that night that we stayed there, we watched fear.com. And I remember not liking it then. And I was pretty young, so I can only imagine now. But um, I don't know. I haven't seen it since. I, I actually don't even, I hardly remember the movie. So It's, it's garbage. That's what I hear. Um, this movie has a lot of producers. One in particular kind of surprised me. Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. The director of Back to the Future and Forrest Gump. He yeah. produced this movie. I don't know how he got on board with this movie, but I, did, I found that kind of interesting. Do, didn't he do one of the Planet of the Apes? Or am I incorrect on like that? The, like the Tim Burton ones? Like the remake ones? Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Okay, scratch that. No, you're good. <clears throat> so what I thought was super interesting, which I also didn't know, is uh, this movie was written by uh, Rob White. Now, he wrote the original 1959 House on Haunted Hill, as well as the remake, which I thought was super cool. Uh, He also wrote The Return to House on Haunted Hill in 2007, which Brendan brought to my attention. I didn't even know existed until like a day or two ago. Um, It's so bad. It is so bad. As opposed to this movie being like great, right? I mean, this movie's fun. Like, this movie has... uh, I mean, I don't know if we want to get into it yet, but... Yeah, yeah. But uh, but the return to House on Haunted Hill is just... The setup is absolutely stupid. There is so much CGI. Like, even just watching it on TV kind of made me feel nauseous. Like, there is nothing appealing about the remake. the, um, The sequel. That's it. Fair enough. Well, um, he wrote both. I, I had to look this guy up because I was like, if he wrote the 1959 House on Haunted Hill and this, how old is this dude? But uh, yeah, <laughs> for real. <laughs> Seriously, like he's going ham on this. But um, another interesting fact, which will definitely cover this movie because I personally want to, but he also wrote the original and the remake 13 Ghosts. Wow. The same guy. Interesting. Yeah. So he wrote the original House on Haunted Hill in 1959. Then he wrote the original 13 Ghosts in 1960. And then returned to write the remake of House on Haunted Hill and also the remake of 13 Ghosts. I thought that was actually kind of cool. You know, if, if I could reach it now, I would show you. But on my dresser uh, for my birthday, my mom got me the key that they used to unlock the house in 13 Ghosts. Like a replica of it. That's super rad. Wait, should I get it? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, see yeah. It. Hit it. Um, but yeah, dude. Made both remakes. Made both originals. I don't know. That's crazy to me. I mean, the movie's from 1999. That's a pretty old movie, to be honest here. So it makes sense. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. What's it, it made out of? Is it like plastic or is it like Oh no. A, this thing is fucking heavy metal. Interesting. Heavy metal. Like rock on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's super cool actually. So I love that movie. Would be down to talk about it. Oh, I would also be down. And you, I mean he wrote both, so I'd be down. All right, guys. Let's get into the logistics here. Uh excuse me, Kyle. Oh. Um <laughs> 
the movie producing company uh, of this movie, of this film, uh, Dark Castle Entertainment, I've heard of it. Uh, formed by Robert Zemeckis, heard of him and too. Joel oh. Silver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is actually their first uh, movie that they produced, along with uh, Thirteen Ghosts and Ghost Ship. Right after. Wait, Ghost this is Shit. Dark Castle's first movie. Uh, yes, their first production. Interesting. That's cool. Yep. And yeah, dude, shout out to Ghost Ship. That movie's pretty, pretty dope. Their first five movies are just banging. Like they came out swinging. That's for sure. That also kind of explains why they sell a combo pack with those yeah. two movies in it on Blu-ray. That makes a lot of sense now, actually. Oh yeah, yeah. You you sent that in the chat, right? Yeah. 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 My God. Interesting. That's lovely. Interesting. Now, before I was rudely interrupted, um, let's get into the logistics, people. The budget on this movie was $37 million. It made domestically roughly $40 million and worldwide $42. So at its peak in theaters, this thing only brought in like a return of $5 million, which isn't that much. Most horror movies we're seeing nowadays. Granted, I know that like we're in like a horror renaissance nowadays, but like... Five million is not a lot to get back from, especially with the cast. Like they had some pretty big people in this movie at, in 1999. Good cast. Everyone like, was pretty much in their peak. Yeah, I mean, pretty good cast. Uh, but yeah, not a big return, which I found kind of surprising. Um, the top grossing horror movies of that year, number one was The Blair Witch Project, at 140 million. Um. Sleepy Hollow at number two. Ooh. The Haunting at number three. Which... Ugh. Do you guys like The Haunting? So Let's talk bad. about that for a second. It's Let's so talk about that for a second. Because I, I honestly don't know if I ever want to cover that movie, to be honest. I don't think I ever will. Maybe I will. I don't, I don't know. But do you guys like The Haunting? have not seen it. Okay. Oh, Ian, Owen, Owen Wilson? Yeah, it oh. has a good cast, yeah. but... Great the, cast, actually. The characters are just terrible. Wait, which is also a remake of a movie from the 60s. Yes. Correct. My God. I'm going to yeah, watch they were, that tonight. They were, um, well, I mean, don't get your hopes up, but they were, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were putting out a lot of remakes that year, apparently. But, um, yeah. Um, and then we have, oh, here we go. At number four, we have Deep Blue Sea. I mean, surprised it's not higher. Let's be honest here. Uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest shark movie of all time. Um, Thomas Jane in his prime. LL Cool J in his prime. Um, what more is there to say? I mean, a cameo, epic cameo by uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, okay, yeah, I'm done. Can I just say, I think that 47 Meters Down is the best shark movie in history. Ooh, haven't seen 47 Meters Down. Now, to go back to Ian's factual spitting out stuff he was doing, um, I can't actually disagree with any of that. So I'll give you those things. But yeah. I honestly don't think Deep Blue Sea is a horror movie. Brendan, where do you stand on that? Uh, it is class of, it. It was in the top five horror movies quote-unquote horror movies of, of that year, so maybe uh, I'm wrong. I, I say we can count it. 
Okay. It, it's 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 not my my subgenre. I'm not a big uh, shark movie fan. Even though I I really like the Sharknados, but like it's not really a, a subgenre that I uh, navigate my ship towards. Get it? Hey, but uh, yeah, I I I think I've seen it twice. It's fine. Um. Although I ha- I did just recently watch uh, the third installment of those movies. Out of Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a third one that just came out, and it is so bad. Okay. Um, like, is it bad, yeah, good, I, or good, bad? No, just bad, bad. Um, but bad, yeah, bad, I bad. I say if if they want it to be a horror movie, then let it be a horror movie. I don't care. Fair enough. Fair enough. Number five was Stigmata. Have you guys seen Stigmata? Once at a sleepover. Okay. Do not remember it. I've never um, even heard of that movie. Really? Um, so I saw it in theaters when it came out. That's the last time I've seen it. So the last time I saw it, I was 11 or 12 years old, and that was, that was the last time. But... <clears throat> it's um I wouldn't say it's like well regarded, but it was definitely talked about for a while. It still kind of gets thrown into conversations, especially with the whole um religious horror stuff. So um maybe something to look at. Now, uh House on Haunted Hill charted at number six, so it just missed that top five, but it was there. It was there. Um, so shout out to that. Um the highest grossing horror movies. Oh, I'm sorry. The highest grossing movies of that year, though, were Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, which was just huge when it came out. Classic. I don't know about that. Classically um, terrible. Classically what? terrible. It's oh. the worst one. Tell me that can, we all Phantom... agree? Can, can we all agree Star Wars no. Episode One is the worst one? No. Can we agree that they're collectively the worst one? Okay, no. moving on. Um, we have The Sixth Sense at number two, which I found that interesting. It was the second highest grossing movie of 1999, but not listed in the horror category. That is odd. Number three, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. <laughs> number four, Toy Story 2. And number five, The Matrix. But I'm done covering all that bullshit, guys. I'm done. I'm done. Because as you know, oh, here we go. We don't cover the Oscars. We don't cover the Emmys. We don't cover the Emmys, guys. Okay. <laughs> All right. We cover the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. Now, I'm sad to say that um, House on Haunted Hill only has, I believe, one nomination this year, if I remember correctly. But we're going to go through a few of them here. So, uh, the best actor was Johnny Depp in Sleepy Hollow. I can see that. I actually found it kind of crazy because he was going up against Kevin Bacon in Stir of Echoes and Bruce Willis in The Sixth Sense. Those are some three heavy hitters right there. I would have gave it to Bruce Willis, to be honest. I, uh... Wait, you you said Kevin Bacon in Stir Stir of of Echoes. Yeah. Okay, I I don't know why you said Kevin Bacon, and I immediately immediately thought Hollow Man. 
Um, hollow man because uh, if it hollow. was if, if it was hollow man then he should have gotten it but if it's, you. if it's up against those other two Thank then you. then yeah give it to him dude i love hollow man i just want to say that real quick I, I forgot how like messed up that movie was yeah it's actually pretty fucked yeah um but yeah so he he took it there um we also let's see what we got Hold on. best actress heather donahue in the blair witch project Nope. Um, she's the main lead, I'm pretty sure. Um, the best limited release direct-to-video film, Perfect Blue was actually nominated in this category. <laughs> it did not win. The Day of the Beast, um, which is a Spanish film, I believe. Ah, yes. Um, directed by... Um, shoot. Ah, he has another really good movie with Javier Bardem. Oh, Darren Aronofsky. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, shoot. Come back. Come back to me. I'll look it up. I want okay. it. You want it? Okay. So, best makeup, which I'm big into special effects. I like special effects and makeup and stuff. But the winner was Sleepy Hollow, Kevin Yeager. I don't remember the, the uh, special effects in that movie too much. I remember a lot of CG, so I don't know. But it was up against um, Idle Hands. Greg Canham and um, also The Mummy which had a lot of CG as well from what I believe so um, I don't get that but um, best supporting actor goes to Haley Joe Osmond in The Sixth Sense which I'd give it to him his his compare or uh, his competitors were Seth Green in Idle Hands and uh, Arnold Vosloo from The Mummy <laughs> I think he plays the Pharaoh guy no, Arnold Vosloo all the way yeah, he's a badass dude. Yeah, I just rewatched the Mummy, the Mummy Two, and then Scorpion King. Uh, not just like a month ago, um, but they're very underrated movies. I mean, the Mummy's not underrated at all. I don't think. No. But the Scorpion King, where do you stand on that? Uh, again, I was just I was really into the franchise, so I was just like enjoying it for what it was. It's a terrible movie. Um, but it's, uh, I, I think that it makes for a fun little, like three, uh, a mini three movie marathon. Um, I think that together watching them in that order, uh, I, I dig it. Cause you're not talking about the mummy three, right? You're talking about the Scorpion King. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause the mummy one, I remember seeing that in theaters and that shit was fucking huge. Oh my God. It was fire. Yeah, the hype around that movie was ginormous, dude. Everybody was talking about that movie. It was a huge deal. And um, Scorpion King, on the other hand, I think that actually is an underrated movie because it is bad, I guess. And the CGI is atrocious. Yeah, the, the CGI does not hold up, but I, 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 I think that movie's great, man. And The Rock is super likable in that movie. I know that's kind of why he's huge now is because he's just a likable person but do you remember uh, when the rock actually used to play bad guys yeah well i mean that's other than that did he play any others uh well i mean like he was a wasn't he a heel in the in the wwf right yeah. oh that's yeah, 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 yeah. He, he was a heel there um doom yeah. i mean not to do any spoilers oh for no doom, that's true yes yeah, but um m- mild spoilers for doom yeah and now yeah. I mean, he just fucking plays the good, likable guy and everything. And like, no, I want to see like badass doing bad shit. The Rock. 
Dude, you make a great point, actually. I haven't seen The Rock as a bad guy in a very long time, and I kind of missed that. I didn't realize I missed it, so you just kind of brought it up. Um, best supporting actress goes to Tony Coletti in The Sixth Sense. She's the chick from The Hereditary, right? Yeah. I didn't know she was in The Sixth Sense. I've, it's been a long time since I've seen that. But Famke Jansen, my girl, um, Jean Grey from the X-Men movies, um, who was also in House on Haunted Hill, uh, she was up for Best Supporting Actress but lost to Tony Colletti. So. And then Best Wide Release Film was The Sixth Sense, up against Stir of Echoes, Blair Witch, Sleepy Hollow, and Existence. You know, all I can remember from Stir of Echoes is the scene where someone's being dragged away and one of their fucking nails rips off. I remember that too, because it was in the trailer, I think. Yeah, probably, yeah. That's the yeah. only thing I remember from that movie. Yeah. And then here you go. Here you go, Brennan. Worst film of that year was The Haunting. It won. And uh, it was up against The Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's kind Surprising. of a no-brainer there. I mean. Yeah, The Haunting's terrible. Um, All right, so I guess I will not be watching that tonight. I mean, I think you should watch it just to kind of put it in your backlog of horror movies you've seen, maybe. But that would be probably the only reason why I would pay any attention to it. It's fair. If you're but, down to waste two hours of your life, I would watch I, it. I do it constantly. I agree. Uh, <laughs> or I, I as well. <laughs> I'm not trying to speak for you. Uh, um, no. I do have confirmation that that... Uh, Spanish movie, uh, Perdita Durango, or Dance with the Devil, um, has Rosie Perez, Javier Bardem. It is a hidden gem. That's for sure. It's a hidden gem. Okay. From 1990. Damn, I just closed the thing. 90 something. 90 something. Um, so with this movie, House on Haunted Hill, 1999, we have Jeffrey Rush's Stephen Price, which obviously is a homage to Vincent Price from the original House on Haunted Hill. We have Famke Jensen as Evelyn. We have Tay Diggs as Eddie. Peter Gallagher as Blackburn, bitch. Chris Kattan as Pritchett. Ali Larder as Sarah, hot. And Bridget Wilson-Sampras <laughs> as Melissa Marr. Okay. Um, I guess now it's finally time after all this to kind of just... Uh, Get into it. I'm closing tabs now, guys. <laughs> tabs are closing. I got nothing else to read. Now it's just coming from the gut. You know what oh, I'm saying? So now you can finally see us. Now, now I'm looking at you guys. Perfect. Finally. Now I'm looking at you. So um, I think I already know where both of you guys stand on this movie. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Brendan first because I have a little bit more confidence in his answer. So, Brendan, what do you think about House on Haunted Hill? Uh... Okay, so I feel like this has been an excuse that I've used for, uh, I think the last one was stay alive. So I feel bad that I'm using this excuse again. Um, but this is another one of those movies <clears throat> that was always on Fear Fest, AMC's Fear Fest, uh, Sci-Fi's 31 Days of Halloween, and just a bunch of other random channels that did Halloween shit. Uh, this is a movie that nostalgically has like a really big place in my heart. And there were so many nights in a row that I'd watched this movie, whether it was on DVD or on one of the, uh, one of the multiple horror movie marathons on TV in October. Um, I love the movie. I think that it's awesome. I, you know, upon this rewatch, I realized how many issues that there actually are with the movie as a whole. 
Um, but just like on an entertainment factor, I love this movie. Again, still has some not so great elements to it. Um, a few um, R words thrown around here and there, but um, otherwise, yeah, no, it's it's fun. It's a fun movie. And actually, no, there are no R words. I was uh, I was thinking of something else that Tay Diggs was in. Um, Classic mistake. Yeah, of course. But uh, yeah, that's that's it. It's 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 enjoyable. I think that it's it should be a movie that's on everyone's Halloween movie marathon list. Fair enough. Was was that the response you were looking for? Well, or or, or I was get into thinking, that, okay. Before we get into that. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break <laughs> to bring you more content from the Ruminations Radio Network. Please stand by. Thousands affected by Hurricane Ida urgently need support. Your donation can help the American Red Cross provide warm meals, shelter, and hope to these families. Please donate today. Go to redcross.org or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to donate to Hurricane Ida. Your support is critical. We can't do it without you. Hey kids, it's Don Shanahan from the Cinephile History Fit, one of the podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on Cinephile History Fit. Find us and all the great shows over on ruminationsradionetwork.com. Welcome back, folks. I hope that was entertaining. It sounds like there's a lot of good content there for you. Um, now that we're back, though, um, Brennan did say that he was going to open up the Bud Light Lime, and I just want to confirm to the audio listeners that he did, in fact, open the Bud Light Lime. <sighs> now, Ian, uh, we're talking about a movie called House on Haunted Hill, 1999. Now we're getting your thoughts. What do you think of the movie? You know, Kyle... You know, I have a nostalgic feel for these kinds of movies. Late 90s, early 2000s, classic. Um, and this movie uh, had me 100% on board until one moment. There was, there was one moment. No, we'll get there. But uh, no, we're getting there now. Good. Well, we're getting there now. Okay. Well, it was, the, uh, it was the CGI moment. And it, the movie up until that, up until that point, great acting, um, even though the characters aren't written too well, um, they're kind of annoying. Um, watching this sort of movie, you have to kind of throw sense out the window, um, cause there's a lot of this movie that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Uh, like that pencil scene in the beginning <laughs> where it's like a Wait, normal... What about the pencil scene? Doesn't make sense. It's like a normal... It's just normal pencils and then they put it through his neck and there's like a foot-long <laughs> rubber pencil coming out. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll give you that one. <laughs> it looked great. Uh, or did it? Um, it looked it fun. It looked great. It looked fun. Um, it just has a lot of inconsistencies as well. Um. Yeah, my only complaints are going to be the inconsistencies and the CGI moment and moments of the third act. Okay. 
so I mean, this being this is your first time watching the movie, right? Yeah. So this being your first time watching the movie, because Brendan and I have a lot of experience with this movie. We kind of grew up with this movie. So with your first experience, I mean, did you enjoy the movie or yeah. not? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, when uh that Marilyn Manson uh mm. remake came on and they were they were riding in the limos. Oh it fucking hits, dude. Oh it's it hits it's like it's kind of like that uh that um time in the Don't Breathe cast where you talked about how movies do like a point of no return. Mm, that yes. that that limo drive up with the music playing was kind of like the point of no return almost. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like the the introduction to the whole, you know. Yep. That that's that's actually a really cool way to look at it, honestly. Um so I'm going to mirror a lot of what Brendan said. Um I uh, grew up with this movie. I have a huge amount of nostalgia for this movie. Um, I used to watch this movie. I mean, first I saw this movie in theaters, but then also as it would play on TV, I would always be around to watch it. Um, If I was flipping through channels and saw it on, it didn't matter what point in the movie it was at, I would stop and start watching it. Yep. Uh, It's been quite a while since I've seen this movie, though. Um. The last time I saw this movie was probably a good five plus years ago. So this is the first time in a while. And uh, my critical eye has changed a lot in that, in that amount of time. So like, I agree with Brendan that um, I've, I've noticed a lot of things this viewing that I kind of brushed aside or kind of uh, didn't necessarily pay attention to before. There's a lot of shit wrong with this movie. And... Uh, First and foremost, do I enjoy this movie? Absolutely. Um, I enjoyed it when I first saw it and grew up with it, and I still enjoy it now. Um, is that because of the nostalgia? There's probably a huge chunk of that that is like a main factor. But um, even watching it now, I still enjoy the movie. Um, and uh, I, I want to add it to my collection. I don't have it in my collection. So it's one of those movies I have to get. So yeah, I love this movie. It's great. Um, but a lot of shit wrong with it. A lot of shit wrong with it. So, um, now that we got that out of the way, do you guys have any particular things you want to talk about? Any scenes you want to get into? There, uh, there was one thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, were there any, like... Uh, I know that no one was like, hey, you know, find some quotes that you like, but I have a few specific quotes that really stick out. Was there, were there any quotes or just lines of dialogue that really stuck out to people, to you guys? I didn't write down any quotes specifically, but I will say that a lot of the quotes that I did um, enjoy was from Chris Kattan. And it's not even like his funny stuff necessarily, but it's when like he would talk about the house Mm -hmm. and like how he has experience with the house and what's going on. Like he just seems so like um, experienced with the situation that it's almost like second nature to him what's going on i like that whole dynamic with him and kind of the story and how that character is written but um i don't have any quotes specifically and i just i'm sorry i just didn't uh i didn't have any either uh but to piggyback on what kyle said anything chris Catan said was uh very entertaining even though he was uh a little annoying at times but he was the uh the guy to comedic relief yeah, yeah. 
there uh, there were a, a few quotes that stood out to me. Uh, one was a super racist quote. I'm pretty sure it was from Evelyn, where she referred to Eddie as, quote, Puff Eddie. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and that felt uh, a little uh, racially insensitive, I think. Um, which definitely I, racially insensitive, definitely of the time, but yeah. yeah. Oh, and I think earlier when I was saying that there were some lines of dialogue, that was one of the ones that I was trying to refer to, but couldn't remember. Um, oh, I actually have one. There was one where, um, I'm going to butcher this cause I don't have it written down, but, um, his name's Tay Diggs, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he, he gets scared by price and he goes, man, that's one way to get your head blown off. And uh, Price goes, I'll make sure to bring Earl. I'll make sure to throw that recommendation towards Evelyn. Like <laughs> as far as like, it's pretty much a dick sucking joke, but like, yeah. I-, I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, um, one Didn't of the, one of the uh, lines from Chris Catan that I really liked was, it was just like the erratic way he said it, where he just says, the house is alive, we're all going to die. Obviously, yes. my presentation is garbage, but like his manic, like Coke energy of delivering that line, I, I just thought it was perfect. And Yes, that's kind of what, it, that goes back to what I'm talking about, about his like relationship to the house and like, you know, the yeah. asylum and like his familiarity with it. I, yeah, I love it too. Um, and I mean, uh, Stephen Price has so many good lines. I like how all of his lines are like subtly death related. Like when Evelyn calls him when they're interviewing him, he says, uh, can't talk now, darling. They're trying to shoot me here. Like that's just like the worst possible way to say it. But I just thought it was really funny. Um, oh, but I, I think his most iconic line is where Price, he, he practically like looks at the camera and says, sure is a funky old house, ain't it? I just I think that that line is great. That's probably my favorite of the movie. Yeah, uh, Jeffrey Rush is pretty A-list, and uh, even even by '99, right? Yeah, like he's he's pretty well respected. I'll look up his um his stuff real quick, but yeah, he's he's pretty A-list. So like to be in this movie was kind of like a surprise. I mean, I wasn't surprised back then because I didn't understand like you know like the gravity of him, but like. I can only imagine like that was kind of a big deal. And I'm actually kind of surprised it didn't drive sales a little bit more. But um, yeah, he's great. And um, there was actually a fact that apparently like he wasn't supposed to look anything like Vincent Price. <laughs> okay. But yeah, well, he wasn't supposed to. But then like um, towards the beginning of shooting, he was like, no, dude, like we have to go full in on this and commit to this. If you're going to name me Price, like I, I want to look like Price. So like, he put the mustache, which wasn't a thing that was supposed to happen. And he kind of like got all dressed up to be like him. And uh, I think he killed it, honestly. I mean, he looks like a, a doppelganger, like, like 100%. So I, it, it, it definitely, I actually forgot that. I forgot that his name wasn't Steven, or that I thought that his name was Vincent Price in this movie. So for the first half of my notes, it says Vincent Price. And then that mm. scribbled out, and I put Steven next to it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's almost it's almost the same. Uh, Ian, you got anything? No, I mean, I like uh, Price as a character. He's probably my favorite in the entire movie. Uh, he's very quick witted, 
and um, his acting, his character, character acting. Like you never know what he's gonna do next. He's uh, it's a very well written character, and he plays that role very well. So there are like a few kills in this movie. There's also a lot of gore in the beginning of the movie. Oh yeah. Um, this movie is oozing early 2000s, even though it technically is a 90s movie. Um, it was probably filmed 98, released 99. So it, it, it didn't have that 2000s touch yet, but it almost like started the whole thing. I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as saying started the whole thing, but I'm like... Well, no, no, I, I, I think that, that that's an accurate statement. I would say if this movie was made like two or three years later, there would be so much fart rock in it. Like, <laughs> it would be insane. Yeah. What do you guys think of the overall like aesthetic of the movie? Like the lighting, the almost like the over the top kind of like like when they go into the asylum and they go down to like um like underneath, it's very like what you would see as like a haunted mansion built at like an amusement park. Like it looks very it doesn't look like an asylum. Like it's got these like crazy sculptures of dead fucking people and like all this weird shit, which also it's kind of strange considering that the asylum was built in 1930 or that's when it took place or whatever. And it's still standing like nobody tore it down in LA of all places. So I don't know. Yeah, that, but, that's um, prime real estate. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so like, um, what do you guys think of the overall aesthetic of the movie? I'll throw it over to you. Ian. I think it looks great. Um, I'm not familiar with my, like, uh, capturing uh lingo but uh is it like a macro lens that shows when you show something really up close it kind of expands it i actually don't know okay well the very first shot of the movie very good oh it is brennan okay yeah yeah i was up for brennan i i was drinking thank you and um when they are going through the halls at some point I think it's to find the first girl who died. Um, it kind of like the camera tilts and the music starts playing, and it just reminds me of like Scooby Doo. It's uh, it was it was a really good uh, really good scene, really good throwback. The tilted camera—that's a Dutch angle, right? Yes. Okay, so yeah, they do a lot of Dutch angles in that. A lot of Dutch angles in that movie. Love that. Um, Brennan, what do you think of the whole like aesthetic set design kind of stuff in that movie? Because I um, think that's really like the core of this movie. Oh, oh, totally. Yeah, no, I in which that's honestly that's one of the reasons why I didn't like the the sequel to this is because I I mean, you know, obviously that this is this movie is the first in the reboot of the series. So you would hope that the second one would take the time to maybe age it because it's seven years later and the place is fucking abandoned. Um, But no, I I think that stylistically, it looks great. It looks like a dirty 90s horror movie. Um, And I think that that's one of the the reasons aesthetically I like it so much. Um, There's, I feel like there's a few early late 80s early 90s j horror inspiration thrown in there uh, specifically with like the twitching of the carrot like um when T- when tay diggs is standing on the top of that blood pool that's there mm. like he, yeah. he fucking twitches there's there's the alien creature that comes out and does little 
a little bit of twitching, and then you know. Um, also, when um, Price is looking on the camera, um, what's the um, Doctor uh, Van Vanikit? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's very. That's actually a good point. It's very Japanese. Like yeah. I even see a lot of things in games, like The Evil Within. It takes yes. place like when like it starts out in an asylum, and uh, he's watching a video camera of the you know, quote unquote ghost that's going through like the asylum and he's doing the same thing, the very like twitchy walk and like the very oh, like, shit kind of teleportation thing. So yeah, totally Japanese. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Um so, sorry, you know, I didn't mean to take you away. Good. No, no, Ian, what were you saying? I'm not sure if that's necessarily Japanese, because I remember seeing that in Jacob's Ladder, a lot in Jacob's Ladder. And that came out in nineteen ninety. I mean I if, seen if, it. It, it might it might be, but um that it, I, well, I, I thought that influenced it heavily. That that could be a good point. I I feel like it's more prevalent though in J horror stuff because I feel like it's something that we don't typically see. Um, sure. but I I mean you know I it's it's something that I just associate with with J horror. Um, but also I'm not the most familiar with that, so I think that would actually be an interesting thing to kind of go back and look at. 80s and 90s um, early 90s you know Japanese horror to see uh, to see if uh, that is just kind of a not a, a stereotype for the genre for the for J horror but um, anyways no I get what you're saying and um, like even in the early 2000s the Silent Hill games that release they do a lot of the same thing so um, which are you know I mean, Japan, obviously. So, yeah. Also, wait, real quick. Uh, Val, or uh, who's the the antagonist from Evil Within? What's his name? Starts with a V. God, you're calling me out right now. It's like one of my favorite franchises. I wanted to say Uh, Val, but that's The Conjuring, right? Yeah, it's The Conjuring. Hold on. The Evil Within. You're killing me right now, dude. I platinum both these games. Audience, I just want to say that right now. Reflex. I'm like a fake fan right now. Let's see, hold on. It is okay. That's not what I'm talking about. Ruvik, Ruvik. Thank oh, you. God, that's gonna drive me nuts. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, Ruvik. Um, yeah, no, I, I was, I, I just wanted to real quick uh, jump on that. Uh, Evil Within, amazing game. Ruvik definitely feels like it has inspirations from from whichever entity we're saying has kind of spearheaded the the twitchy ghost characters. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, he's actually the character I'm talking about that's in the camera. Um anything else before we move on? Uh no, just some random things, but I, I want to let someone else speak. Well let's start it up. It might start a conversation. What's one of the random things? Um wait, well I want to know like aesthetically how do you feel about it? Um I mirror you guys. Uh, personally, it reminds me of like early 2000s, even though it's late 90s. I get a heavily inspired like um, walk through Haunted Mansion vibe. It's almost cheap, but not, but like unique at the same time. Um, I, I love the lighting in these movies. Like people don't do lighting like this anymore. This is a very, very early 2000s thing where the lighting is not necessarily dramatic, but it's like, it's not, um, 
it like it's almost too bright, but like in a unique way. It's hard to explain. But um, I really like the aesthetic of the movie. That's probably one of my main um, draws to it. Um, I like the set design. I love how campy it is and how over the top it is. Nobody would ever believe that this is what an asylum looked like in 1930. <laughs> no asylum looked like this in 1930. No asylum probably had a bar in the lobby in 1930 like this fucking asylum does. But um, they make it work and they make it believable to a certain extent. And uh, yeah, it's it's just fun. It's just a lot of fun. On that note, um, we do have kills. Oh, Let's talk about the gore and the kills. Wait, wait, real quick. Before we get into the guts of it, can we just talk about that roller coaster? Yes, of course. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, because that, uh, that has some pseudo kills in it. So I feel like that could be it. <laughs> can... I logistically, I, th- I one I think the roller coaster is badass. I would love to be Obviously. on something like that. Um, two, the roller coaster is about three minutes long. I don't think I've ever seen a roller coaster that goes on for that amount of time. Um, but that could also just be the editing of it. Uh, well, I mean, if you count the elevator up and everything, yeah, it's kind of long. True. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> The fake roller coaster cart that crashes, or like the one that goes off the tracks. Yeah, where does it land? <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. I mean, they have to have a designated area for it. Right? <laughs> yeah, but you don't. And, you don't hear a crash. You don't hear anything. And like, there's a, there's immediately another roller coaster cart that's ready to go, and they replace the flailing arm guy with the screaming guy. So you have like at least a team of like 15 people dedicated to just hauling these spare coasters up <laughs> back to the track, like, or even a crane. Like, how do you get it back up? I you know what I'm saying. I, it's so, so ludicrous and I love it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. So I would I, totally go on that ride though. Just saying. I had the idea that they, uh, worked out the geometry um, to when the first roller coaster goes off, it, it connects with another one. It just comes back. Wait, so do you think that when they changed out the flailing arm guy with the screaming guy, do you think that they had to um, adjust that for for any weight differentiation between the, the flailing arm guy and the screaming guy? It's a great question. Yeah, they probably did all that massive. <laughs> I mean, he did say, Price did say in the movie that he had like a master's in engineering or something. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's your answer. I, I feel like there could be an entire episode on just the roller coaster alone. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But uh, yeah, the kills. Let's talk about the kills. Oh, by the way, um, shout out to Georgie, but that camera guy. We're not going to reference him? Dude is, uh, I, I don't watch the show. He, I know he's from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, Angel. Or yeah. no, not Angel. No. I'm sorry. Uh, Spike. Yeah. Same Spike. Yeah. 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 Because Dom pointed that out too. Because Dom's like, my girlfriend is really into Buffy. And he's like, oh, dude, it's Spike. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh. Mm-hmm. Spike. Um, it's Spike. Huh? <laughs> no. Also, I, I mean, I, dedicated to that role. Um, just 
he he slayed that he slayed that role for sure. No pun intended. <laughs> There's a pun intended. It was. It was. All right, cool. All right, guys. So we're getting into the kills here. Um, the movie starts off actually. I, I think the start of this movie is the strongest in the asylum, and just showing the madhouse, showing shit hit the fan. I kind of wish there was a little bit more of it, but that probably would make this movie longer than it really needed to be. <laughs> so, so, um, so what do you guys think of the first kill, the pencil kill? I think we got a little bit off Ian of the three foot pencil. <laughs> A plus. Brennan, what well, do you think about the overall special effects in this movie? We'll start with you. Um, well, I, I do want to say something that you and I slightly discussed before we sure. started recording. Uh, I love how the composition on the score for that scene is called Pencil Neck. Yes. Guys, look it up um, on Spotify. It, the original soundtrack to House on Haunted Hill, track number like two or three, is called what? Uh Pencil neck. Pencil neck. Pencil, Pencil neck. neck. Yeah. Pencil uh, neck. No, I, I think like uh, they definitely didn't rely on CGI in this one, um, which I'm very thankful for. Everything, m- most of the things were practical and felt practical until we got to, you know, the spirit, which was just grotesquely fake. Um, but no, the, the, the pencil neck scene is, it looks great. Uh, the the one other thing I wanted to talk about the the security guard who gets his fucking face melted Ooh. out. Yeah, that that reminded me. Isn't Scary Movie Two a parody of this movie? You know, I thought that because when I was watching it, the downstairs kind of like mm. caverns area look like that. Yeah, but- and, and one of the characters in Scary Movie Two gets their face melted out like that. Scary movie. That. Yeah, there's the the person that Tim Curry has watching. Uh, David Cross, isn't it? David Cross that gets his face melted out because he's because yeah. David yeah. Cross is the one watching all the cameras. Yeah, I do not remember that. I've yeah. seen that movie like. I oh, I, I really wish I can give you a stand in ovation. Uh, as much as I like as much as I like Scary Movie 1 I think Scary Movie 2 is my favorite I agree with you 100% Scary Movie 1 just nails everything but Scary Movie 2 just dials it to 11 and it's it's just too good Um, but Scary Movie 2 did come out 2001 so it could it could have yeah it could have made fun of it which makes sense Um, but anyways to to go back to your initial question um, Scary Movie 2 is a great movie and um the, the the special effects no i i think that that they're really cool the the alien creature the, the like the design on that creature which i don't really know what that symbolizes um i think that character is super cool um yeah it, it's honestly just up until the cgi that i have a problem mainly with this movie i agree ian what about you uh you know that pencil effect um though it st- it keeps its shape and length, but completely goes through his neck. Um, just, just great work. Just great thought and effort put into that kill. Um, but no, uh, the inconsistencies with uh, the scares is my problem here. Uh, the opening 
no pun intended, but when, when they're slicing that guy, uh, the patient op- uh, open with the scalpel, and it's like super bloody and gory, that was, I was like, this, this is awesome. What's, uh, let's get some more of this. And then just never happens again. Like none of that gore happens again in the, in the movie. Uh, same with pretty much every other scare, except for uh, the head shake one. Um, but that, uh, when the, when the executive goes to find, uh, what's his name? Tay Diggs. And we know that the house is using his ghost, I guess, or is creating a ghost, uh, that just never happens again in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. The ghost doppelganger kind of, it's like a one and done kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree with you, Ian. It starts out strong. Like I said, the like the beginning of the movie starts out super strong, and you're like, it ramps it up, and you're like, this is gonna be gnarly. And then it kind of like the scares and the gore kind of trail off a little bit. I mean, we have like Peter Gallagher Blackburn. You see his head as the door opens, um, which is but super it's like a severed. Yeah. Do we really think that she did that? That's a good question, actually. Who cut his head off? I, I I think she did. I mean, it did show, like, it did show the table with the saw and the bloody saw. Like, they walked into the room that they were in. And, like, it had all the evidence of something happening. But still, it seems kind of extreme for her. Do you disagree? No, 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 no. I, I, I'm, because I also tried to think logistically, like, yeah. I'm not saying that she's a powerless person, but she's like what? 5'5 five, five and not not trying to be weird about this, but like she's she's skinny. Like like she doesn't have much muscle mass and having seen American Beauty, I kind of understand how tall the guy who plays Peter Blackburn, the, the guy that plays Dr. Blackburn is. Like I know that he's like a fucking tall, stout dude, um, and I don't think that she could have pulled his. She could have pulled his body, but it would have taken like quite a fucking long time to get him there. Yeah, but we don't I, know how long the period between them finding the body was. That's true, but there was no trail of blood from true. the surgery room to true. to the. It was uh, just a puddle, just a puddle. What was it? What was that thing called? The sanit? Uh, I have it written down. Yeah, the, I almost wrote it down, uh, and then I was just saturation like, chamber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, saturation chamber. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, make a madman sane and a sane man mad. Ooh. Boom. Um. So yeah, I I I don't think that she could have gotten him there, but like the ghosts weren't helping her. So, I don't know. I just chalked it up to a. Uh, what is it like that story of a mother who flipped a car because it was on her baby or something like she was just full of adrenaline in the moment and was able to drag him there without creating a blood trail. Yeah. I guess it is what it is. Um, other than that though, there was the scene where, uh, Miss Price gets electrocuted, a little bit of blood. Um, Oh, we do have actually um, 
Melissa Marr, which is, uh, she was in uh, Billy Madison, wasn't she? That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just take this off real quick. Uh, that setup was perfect. The execution was even better. <laughs> um, so yeah, we had her all cut up, diced up in the uh, like the cabin at the end. Yeah. Um, that, but again, that wasn't like happening real time. It was kind of just props placed. So I'm not too impressed by that. But this, um, this movie's rated R, right? It has to be. It has to be because it doesn't feel rated R in hindsight. Really? It like is with all the blood R. and the decapitated head and. Oh, okay. I I I mean boobs, boobs, a lot of boobs. That's true. Okay, not a lot of boobs. Not a lot, a lot of, of boobs. boobs. Just like I mean, death wise, it doesn't because you don't see any outlandish deaths really. Pe- pencil neck is pretty much except like for the, the beginning, most, yeah. In the most grotesque murder you see, yeah. I mean, it's, it's got to be rated. All right, I can look it up, but I'm just gonna safely assume that it is. Yeah, I'll take your assumption. Um, but yeah, um, I'm gonna have to agree with you. Um, the kills were all right. The gore was okay. Started strong. And then got progressively worse. So Ian, I agree with you on that one. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so uh, someone ate all the kids' lunches. <laughs> Somebody ate all the kids' lunches. <laughs> so, um, all right, guys. Um, is there anything else you want to mention about the movie before we get into our final thoughts and reviews? Uh, the ghost looks like a Rorschach test. Oh, wait, actually, I agree. Dude, yeah, why have we not talked about this yet? So the ghost, yeah, the whole ending, House is Alive. I mean, we talked about the special effects or whatever. I think we could all agree that they're terrible. But um, what do you guys think about Chris Kattan's ghost at the end? <laughs> Probably the highlight of the movie, if I'm being honest. But um, what do you guys think about the special effects? The ghost, the killer ghost at the end. Chris Kattan's killer ghost or just no we'll start off with just the ghost like the big Rorschach some would say gaping vagina um, <laughs> ghost at the end um, immediately dates the movie in my opinion I hated it <laughs> okay that was a quick answer for me and uh, Brendan <laughs> we're gonna pass it over to you well, what do you think about the Brendan's final dying right now so <laughs> <laughs> I think you're gonna have to come back to <laughs> We're gonna take a quick commercial break now. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Um uh I don't know why I thought that was so funny. Um because it was Oh <clears throat> uh, no, it it looks terrible. It looks terrible. <laughs> okay, and we're moving on. All right. So- <laughs> We're getting into the final thoughts and Red Room rating of House on Haunted Hill 1999. Brendan, I'm going to let you take a swig of that Bud Light Lime. And then I am going to pass it over to you. What are your final thoughts and rating on House on Haunted Hill? Uh, Final thoughts. We forgot to talk about the nightmare sequence when... uh, uh, Price Reapers, is, in, guys. is in the saturation chamber. Mm. Let's talk about it. What do you got? Um, it just that I wanted to mention, that's honestly the most like horrific scene in the entire thing. Um, and I just, honestly, I just think it's really dope. 
Um, do you think that there was any connection to um, the fact that I believe he saw... Um, hold on, I'm looking it up. I believe he saw Melissa Mars' ghost, but nobody else's. So do you think he was seeing the people that died in the house? I think it was a mixture of that and his uh, preconceived ideas of what the house was. Because some of the stuff was just like really weird and somewhat inaccurate of what had been going on. Um, so I think it was a mixture of the ghosts and what he thought the house to be, what, what he thought the house was. What do you mean yeah. by that? Um, I feel like the, one of the ways the house derives its power is based on uh, how people perceive the house and what they think it is. Cause they've heard all the stories, they've heard all the horrors that have, that have taken place there. So I feel like the house really thrives on that negative energy that it brings. So when it gets the chance to like actually fuck with someone and haunt them, it, it gives them a piece of what it's actually about, which is the Melissa Marr. And then it gives them, or, and then it uses their own imagination against them to just create wild shit like the, the bag that gets wrapped around his head in the barbed wire. And then he gets thrown in the water. Um, like, I, I just I just think that the house does a mixture of everything just to really scare the shit out of you. And to I just- also noticed that um, the people that were bagging him underwater also had like completely white faces, like a bag was wrapped around their head and they were drowned. Also, yeah, like it's like like it looked like the same material and same color. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they were doing to him what was done to them, which was kind of interesting. And then I also saw, you know, Melissa Mars. So he was seeing, I don't know. I like, I honestly think it was like him seeing people that died in the asylum, maybe just a few, but um, as to like their importance or, you know, their relevance is, I guess, irrelevant. But um, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I thought that scene was really cool. Uh, really well shot, I'll say. It felt like uh, a Nine Inch Nails music video. (laughs) That's a yeah, that's accurate. That's accurate. Um, But yeah, good bring up. Um, So where we were on the ratings, right? We were. Unless you guys have anything Um, else. Oh, sorry, Ian. Anything else? Anything else, Ian? (coughs) Banging soundtrack. (laughs) That's it. Uh, yeah. No, I agree with that. Hundred percent, actually. All right. Uh. I'll drop it at a. Uh... Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! What is happening? Whoa! whoa. <laughs> what? Let's let's uh, audience audio and video. I want to apologize for that. Um, we're gonna back it up. We're gonna reverse that real quick. I'm looking at you guys. We're gonna back that up and reverse it. Okay. Uh, you're full beneficent yet, and uh, <laughs> I like it. I like thank it. you. And uh, let's give your final thoughts. And rating on House on the Hill 1999. Final thoughts. Uh, it is a sloppy but entertaining horror movie. Uh, I think that it's not going to stand out as a classic, but I think that there's going to be a huge cult fan base behind it because of the, like Kyle, like you and I, the nostalgia that it has in our lives, even though 
rewatching it, I've noticed some really glaring issues. I still absolutely love the movie. I'm going to watch it every single Halloween, hands down, without a doubt. Um, yeah, it's just, it's it's entertaining and it's just a good old fashioned fun horror movie. So for that, I will I will drop the score uh, at a seventy three. Okay, Brendan, seventy three. All right. Ian. House of Nona Hill, 1999. Give it to me. Good year. Um, so, great year. Great year. Very fun. Very nostalgic. Uh, love the characters. Love the cast. Love the acting. Love the soundtrack. The kills. Uh, it's just too inconsistent for me and the end the third act just misses hard uh up until the third act i was at probably a b i was like wow this is amazing i love it um but because of the third act i'm gonna go ahead and drop it to a score of 71 percent you son of a bitch 71%. All right. All right. That's fair. 73 and 71. So this movie, I'm going to mirror both you guys actually right now. Um, it's a very nostalgic movie for me. I grew up with it. I've watched it every Halloween, every year. I watch it just every year in general. Um, I think it's a really fun movie. However, um, this time is the first time I've watched it in a long time, and I'm going to be a little bit more critical of it because um, I do think that there is quite a bit wrong with it, and I'm not going to try to let nostalgia influence my rating on this one. Um, am I going to watch it every year? Absolutely. Do, do I like this movie? 100%. But um, I would say prior to this viewing for this cast, I would probably sit it at about the lower 80s range. But um, I know, I know. Just, hey, look, look. If we're going to talk about this real quick, we uh, have talked before about enjoyment being a factor. So <laughs> that's where that factor, you know, gets included. But that's not the rating I'm going to give it today. Um, I'm going to give this movie... I hate to say this, but I already had it set in stone, a 71% as well. <clears throat> so I'm sitting at a 71%. That's why I said you son of a bitch, Ian. Oh, uh, <laughs> we're so similar, I mean. Sometimes, not really. Um, you so you here, even wrote Ian twice in the chat. Ah, shit, I did. Um, <laughs> so that being said, the rumination... Of Red Rum rating for House on Haunted Hill 1999 is a 71%. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it as well. It's a C minus movie. Also, it in uh and even and even then I'm also now thinking it's a little too high, but you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna give it a 71%. What's your thoughts, Brendan? 
Oh, I was going to say, uh, for the, uh, for the people that are watching this on video, that face I've been making for the past 30 seconds was me doing the math on paper and being really surprised the movie rated that high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, it like, if we're being a hundred percent real right now, uh, so, like I just said, 71% seems a little high for me, but well, I mean, when, is, when you, when you said lower eighties, I was like, yeah. Well, well, that's that is like the nostalgia talking. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I'm saying after viewing it now, like it's nowhere near that. And I would even go a little lower, but I did enjoy my viewing this time. Yeah. And I think that we've all kind of established it that it's a 71. Um, Rotten Tomatoes would disagree. But guess what, guys? That's the ruminations of Red Room rating for House on Haunted Hill, 1999. This has been another episode of Ruminations of Red Room. The gaping vagina of the Ruminations Radio Network. If you like what we're doing here, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Ruminations of Red Room and on Twitter at Of Red Room. That's O-F Red Room. And please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and make sure you hit us up with a review and give us a rating. That being said, I'm your host, Kyle. With Okay. And joining me, I have Brendan, the new blood. Watch out for bricks thrown through your window. And Ian, with now two E's. Double E, E square, baby. I hope you have a good day. I know you're listening in your car right now. You're probably driving to work. You're going to have a bad day at work because work sucks. But you know what? Yeah, I don't really know where I was going with that one. But enjoy, enjoy yourself for at least a moment while, while listening to this. Stay spooky, folks. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com.